All right, well, let's go to God's Word as we are in week, in week number four today of six in a series called Money Talks. Now, if this is your very first time with us here at Hope Fellowship, let me just answer the burning question that some of you have in your minds right now. The, the answer is no, we don't always talk about money. For some of you, your worst fears came true. I'm going to try that church, and I'm just afraid they're going to talk about money. And you came in, and you saw the bulletin, and you're like, oh, they're going to talk about money. Listen, believe it or not, this is the first time we've done a series like this in over five years. And from time to time, we're going to teach about money because the Bible has a whole lot to say about it and how we handle it and what we do with it and all those kind of things. As we begin our sermon this morning, I'm going to ask the ushers, would you go ahead and come through? Uh, they're going to give you some candy. How many like candy? Well, if you don't, you're going to get candy, all right? So here's what I want you to do. It's going to be a sermon illustration later. Uh, I got Smarties, right? So I want you to take two packs. Everybody say two. two. Tell your neighbor, don't take three. I got to stretch this for three services, okay? So just take two, make sure. It's really important you take two, and we'll get to this a little later. Just kind of put it there to the side. Well, let me give you a little bit of a quick review where we've been. In week one of this series, we talked about how we as God's people have an opportunity with our worldly wealth to make eternal investments. Believe it or not, money plays a role in people being saved. And we're going to see that even more clearly here today. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 9, and we studied it in week one. Jesus said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So otherwise, when you use your worldly wealth for the purpose of seeing lost people find salvation in Jesus, they're going to be thankful you did. And they're going to greet you in heaven and say, thank you so much for being the part of the process of me coming to know Jesus. In week two, we learn from Jesus about making heavenly deposits. He said in Matthew chapter six, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You do that through the giving of wealth for kingdom purposes. That's the only way to store up treasures in heaven from this side of eternity. You give in this life for kingdom purposes. But why? Why does God want me to give back a portion of what is already his to begin with? Well, very next verse, look what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of the things I said to you is this, God doesn't need your money, okay? It's already his to begin with. You came into the world naked, and you leave with nothing. You just borrow the resources that are already God's to begin with. God wants you to practice the habit of giving back to him a portion of what is already his, because he wants more than anything else, what he wants is your heart. That's why God wants you to practice this thing. In week three, I talked to you about what the Bible has to say about the amount. You know, the big question that people want to know, what's the amount that I should be giving? And what did we learn last time? Ultimately, what, what we discovered is the Bible says you get to choose, okay? First, we get to choose whether or not we want to put God first in the area of our finances. That involves the giving of the tithe. A tithe is 10% of the increase of my wealth. That's what the Bible calls first fruits giving. 
It's how the Bible says we put God first in the area of our wealth. We also get to choose what type of offerings we want to give. So think about it this way. A tithe is the first 10%. An offering is anything we give above the tithe. Ultimately, the percentage, the total percentage that we decide to give is really up to us. That's why the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he really summing everything up that the Bible teaches about giving, lays this out there for us. He says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what, he, what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to help you understand how the giving of your tithes and offerings partners with the kingdom of God on a practical level. I want you to get a good understanding of how it all works together. This is going to be the most unusual sermon that you've ever heard on giving. Here's what, here's what I want you to get down. When you practice the habit of giving, laying up treasures in heaven, you participate in God's profit-sharing program. You're going to profit. The church that you go to is going to profit. Your community is going to profit. The world's going to profit. And ultimately, the kingdom of God is going to profit. So what you find with God's profit-sharing program is it's a win-win for everyone. And the question is, how so? Well, that's what I want to show you this morning. And to do that, I want to take you to the most famous passage in the Bible on giving, Malachi chapter 3. Now, let's go ahead and read what God has to say to his people in Malachi's time uh, through him. He was a prophet, and, and God says this to his people at this time. Verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So otherwise, here's what God's saying. Thank goodness I am merciful and loving and forgiving because if I wasn't, I would have judged you people a long time ago. Watch this, verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. And what God's implying is this generation is doing the same thing that your ancestors did. You, you, you're not, you, you've fallen away from me. And so look what God says, because that's so, return to me and I will return to you. God's calling for, for repentance here with his people. So return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? How do you want us to go about doing that? Now watch God's response. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now, this seems shocking at first, but it shouldn't shock you all that much. It shouldn't surprise us that God asked them to return to him through the vehicle of giving. Why? Because what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21? Where your treasure is, what? your heart will be also. God knows as if he can get their treasure under his lordship once again, there's a strong likelihood that all kind of other areas in their lives will fall under his lordship as well. Because why? Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. Now he goes on to say in verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Okay? Let me tell you what that means. That means that you're not living your life with God's intervention in it. Okay? How many know we live in a world cursed by sin? And God says, when you put me first, you're going to involve me, and I can help you with the curse. Yes. Okay? And he goes on to say this, bring the whole tithe 
into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, what I want to do is I want to focus in on that word storehouse for the rest of this sermon because it's the key to understanding how things work in the kingdom of God when it comes to your giving and your church and people coming to know Jesus and all those kind of things. Four things that I want to talk to you about concerning the storehouse. Let's first talk about the place of the storehouse. Let's talk about that. The place of the storehouse. What was the storehouse? Well, that word there in the Hebrew, uh, interesting word, it literally means a repository or a treasure house. So what you have to understand, in Malachi's day, there was no such thing as First National Bank. Okay? There was not a standard currency, a monetary currency that, that all transactions ran through. People would buy or sell either using animals, crops, maybe goods. You know, we trade some perfume for this thing that I need or material or clothing for this thing that I need. And sometimes it would be actual gold or silver. Because that was the norm, when God's people gave their tithes and offerings, you had to have buildings or rooms at the temple to store what was collected. Okay? The place at the temple was called the storehouse. Look how this same Hebrew word is used elsewhere in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 51, it says this, When all the work King Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and the furnishings, and he placed them in, uh, what's the word? Same Hebrew word, storehouse, treasuries of the Lord's temple. So understand what this means if you were to compare it to our modern day world. The storehouse was the temple's bank account. Now, I want you to see something in verse 10 that answers a question that I get a lot from people. Pastor, where should I give my tithe? Well, look what God says. Bring the what? Whole tithe into where? The storehouse. So you don't bring part of the tithe into the storehouse. You bring what? The whole tithe into the storehouse. Let me help you understand why. Before the cross, God's redemptive plan to save people in the world centered around the temple. That was was what it centered around, his plan around the temple. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, his redemptive plan shifted from the temple to his church in the world. Your modern day storehouse is the church that you decide you're going to worship at. God wants the whole tithe to be given to the storehouse. So think about this. The giving of the tithe isn't, well, I'm going to give 2% to the United Way, then I'm going to give another 2% to this cause, and then I'm going to give the last 6% to my church. No, you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, is it wrong to give other causes? No. Not at all. We can and we should, but not at the neglect of the tithe. I give to those other causes after I give my whole tithe to the storehouse. Why does God want my whole tithe to go to the church where I worship? Well, to find that answer, we're going to look at the second thing that I want you to understand about the storehouse. Let's talk about the purpose of the storehouse. Let's talk about the purpose of it. We talked about the place. Let's now talk about the purpose of it. 
the wealth that was put into the storehouse wasn't meant, are you ready for this, to sit in storage. It was collected to be used for ministry. The tithe was meant to be used to facilitate the God's redemptive business. How many know God's in the redemptive business? God's in the people-saving business, the reconciling people back to him business, and that was the purpose of the Old Testament temple, and that's the purpose of the church as well. That's what sets the church apart from any other do-good organization. The church's main purpose isn't just to meet material and emotional and physical needs. The ultimate goal is to help people meet their most significant spiritual need, and that's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is why the whole tithe is to go to the storehouse. God wants to use it as a resource to help bring people to salvation in Jesus. How so? Well, I wanted you to think about it this way. This is where I'm going to connect the dots for you. There are a lot of storehouses in our world. We just don't think of them as storehouses. Okay? Think about this. The grocery store, do you know what it is? It's a storehouse. What's stored in it? Food, right? It's a storehouse to help meet your nourishment needs. A clothing store, what is it? It's a storehouse, right? To help meet your clothing needs. How about a pharmacy? It's a storehouse to help meet your medical needs. Well, here's the thing with the church. The church is a storehouse to help people meet people's spiritual needs. So here's what happens. At Hope Fellowship, we take the money that you give and we use it to do ministry with. We, we don't just put it in a bank and store it up and store it up and store it up and, store it up and, stuff and do nothing with it. We take it and turn it around and we use it to, to, as tools to minister to you and to this community and, and, and you, into your children and all those kind of things. We that's how we operate. Let me for a moment just kind of take you on a little bit of a tour. There's six primary ways that tithes and offerings are used. And this would have been the same with the temple in the Old Testament. In fact, I had scripture verses, Old Testament scripture verses that showed you, but we'd be here forever. So just trust me on this. But there are six main ways that tithes and offerings were used when it came to the temple that are the same reasons we use them as a church in our modern world. Number one, to facilitate worship. Okay. How many are thankful that we're in here this morning and the lights are on? How many are thankful that you come in here this morning and you got toilet paper? Okay. How many are thankful for heat on a cold day? You've probably never thought about this. Somebody gave for that to happen. Somebody gave in order for us to be able to facilitate worship this morning. Okay. Number two, to reconcile people to God. I mean, that's our main purpose, right? We want to see people to come into right relationship with God. We use your giving to help us in that endeavor. Number three, to grow people in their faith. Number four, to operate the place of worship. Okay, once again, the lights, the electric. Somebody gave for that stuff to be on this morning. Number five, to help people in need. It's one of the big things we do here all the time. We're constantly helping people in need. The reason we can do that is because somebody gave. And finally, to compensate the pastors or staff. 
Okay? Otherwise, you need pastors or staff, you need structure in order to help facilitate properly all these other things that need to go on. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say God has worked in your life through Hope Fellowship Church? Let me see your hands. Okay? Many of you gave your hearts to the Lord right here at this church. Many of your children are going to serve the Lord for the rest of their lives because they grew up right here in this church. God used someone's giving in the process to make that happen. Think about that. Let me, let me give you just a little bit of a snapshot of what it takes to do what we do on a monthly basis. And let me preface this by saying our finances are always an open book here at Hope Fellowship. You're welcome, even if you're not a, not a member, to come and ask us all the time. We don't post it because we just don't think that's what we want visitors to see when they first walk in. But you were welcome to see our finances at any time. But to do what we do on a monthly basis, our budget is 46959 that's what it takes to do what we do. And remember, we're not a small church, okay? This is a, this is a good-sized church. There's a lot of people we minister to. There's a lot of people we, we, we meet needs in their life. We take care of them. There's a lot of programs we do. Now, this is the monthly budget. Let me take out of the portion that we're putting towards the building fund. Remember, we're building in a mortgage. We're working on that as we go to the new building. Our operational budget is actually 36959 That's what it takes to do what we do monthly. Let's just talk about facilities just for a second. Okay, um, these are categories in our budget. Uh, building and grounds. We spent about $350 there. There's repairs. There's all kinds of things that you deal with just in the building. And then electric. It, it costs $600 a month to keep the electric going here. That's, what, that's, 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 a, that's our bill. And then the one I hate the most. How many of you hate the heating oil? It just drives me crazy. You can never guess... It's hard to budget because it's all over the place, right? Um, but we spend $500 a month on heating oil. Lawn care and snow, $300 a month is what it averages out to. Then you have insurance. Do you understand? You can't just do church in, in our society. You got to have insurance. You got to legally have some things in place, $430 a month. And then you have telephone and internet. And then you have trash. And then you have the water for the, the downstairs that we do. So a total of $2,504. And to be honest with you, this is a really good cost to run a building in church. It's going to get a whole lot more expensive in the new building. Yes. <laughs> what I wanted to show you is we're able to do those things because somebody gave. We reach into the storehouse to facilitate those things so that we could be effective doing what we do. How about this one? Let me give you a snapshot of some other stuff. How many of you enjoy the note sheets? People tell me all the time, I love the note sheets. <laughs> this one drives me crazy too. <laughs> we might as well go purchase two cars a month. It's like two car payments. It cost us $633 to facilitate our copier and all the copying we do every single month. Once again, we're not a small church. Somebody's giving makes that possible. Then there's multimedia. So everything we do with multimedia, how many of you enjoy what you see on the screens? And this is a very visual, we're very visual in how we preach and teach. And I'm not talking about what we paid for all this. Like we paid for all this stuff, took care of this already. I'm talking about there are subscriptions that we have to subscribe to. There are, there are all kinds of things that we have to do in order to facilitate getting our live stream out into the community and all the things that you see on these screens. It, it adds up to $600 per month. And then there's church supplies. Okay, once again, you're thankful for the toilet paper. 
Okay? Somebody gave money for you to be able to use that toilet paper. Okay? Paper plates, all those kind of things. Silverware, things we use. And then there's the administration of the church. Um, you know, talk about just what happens in the office and, and all the supplies that go with that, all the computers. How many know you don't buy software no more? You have to rent it. It's just the way it works in our modern world. And so we got computers and we got costs. It's about $1,671 per month just to fund the supply side of the administrative part of what we do. Let's go to some of the people stuff for just a second. We spend about $600 a month on connect groups. And, and a lot of times when you buy your books, we ask you to help us a lot of times in connect groups. You, what you don't understand is we're already cutting the cost down on that in order to help it make it much more affordable. And then there's children and youth. We spend about $1,250 $1, per month to facilitate your curriculums, the things that we use to teach your kids with. There's all kind of money and cost that go along with that. Somebody gives to make that possible. And then there's outreach. $750 a month goes to things you see us do with the community. In fact, the Easter egg thing that's coming up, does anybody ever think about where all that supply stuff comes from? It comes because you people give. That's about a $1,500 event uh, per year. We spend over $3,000 a year just on VBS alone, Vacation Bible School. It's, it, it costs money to do those things. We do that because somebody gave and put money in the storehouse. How about this one, missions and benevolence? I believe this is one of the reasons why God continues to bless this church. Now, do you remember what our total budget was? It was almost $47,000, right? Did you notice that we tithe? We give away to missionaries, and benevolence means meeting people's needs, we automatically give away a tithe of what comes in here. Every single month, that's what we do. We are able to do that. You, your giving is affecting people not only in this community, but all over the world. That people are getting saved in countries that you've never been to because of missionaries that we support. Because we're able to reach into the storehouse and use it for kingdom purposes. Let's talk about personnel for just a second. You know, um, once again, we're not a small church, and um, we have eight people on staff here, eight paid people to some, on some level, and uh, our budget per month for that is, you're talking about health insurance, you're talking about everything that goes with that, salaries, uh, it's 21593 Now, if you do the math, you understand nobody here is getting rich, Okay? That's just not how it works. We're not here. Listen, in the church, that's fine for us. That's not what we're trying to say. But we're here because we want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Yes. That's a part of what we use the budget for. Then you got cleaning. It cost $845 to keep this church every single week, uh, every, every, not every month, every month, $845 to, to make sure it's clean when you come in. Now, here's why I went through this. And this is not an exhaustive list. I just want to help you understand how this all works. You know, people a lot of times, I know, I know this sounds crazy, but people say all the time, Pastor, what do you do with the rest of your time? Like, like the only thing I do is preach on Sunday. Okay, let me, let me let you in a little secret. Every sermon that you get has 20 to 25 hours applied to it. And that's not even including all the other stuff that's got to happen around here. There's a direct correlation between the time I'm able to spend studying God's Word, preparing to teach you, and the quality that you get. Does that make sense? Yes. 
we're we're able to have a full-time pastor working here at this church and other staff members because somebody gave. It affects the quality of ministry that you're going to get at the church that you go to. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get. FedEx does not drop off a weekly package of money from heaven to us every week. I, would, I wish that would happen. We'd be in the new building already, right? What we do on a weekly basis is facilitated by the faithfulness of people giving to the Lord. In church, it's one of the reasons this church is growing and God is blessing it because you people are the most generous people that I know. Let me, let me throw out this statistic to you that is, that is, any pastor will tell you this is phenomenal. 50% of people who attend Hope Fellowship are tithing according to our best estimate. That is way better than the average church. According to the latest, latest research by the Barna Group, and this is, when, this is evangelical Christians. So when you say evangelical Christians, let me, let me kind of define that a little more. These people are serious about their faith. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, okay? But evangelical Christians, 21% of, of those Christians practice tithing uh, to their church or ministry. 25% don't give financially at all. And 54% donate an amount less than 10%. That's actually the statistics. By the way, when you just include all Christians, not just evangelicals, 5% of Christians t- actually tithe. Could you imagine if that number would go higher, what would happen in our world? It's crazy when you think about it. Thank you, church, for being such a generous church. I'm just telling you, your giving makes a difference. It is a part of the equation of what we do. People come here all the time, and there are many reasons why God is working here and blessing this place, and this place is growing, but a big part of the equation is is God has found faithful people he can work through. You're a big part of that. Thank you for your generosity. Why does this all matter? Well, let's talk about the priority of the storehouse. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? Why does God want that to happen? What's the next line? That there may be food in my house. If there's no food in the house, how can someone eat? How can people be fed? How can people be spiritually nourished and ministered to without it? This is why I tell you, you show me a church where people do not tithe, do not give. I'll show you a church that is limited in what it can do for the kingdom of God. Because a lack of tithing will limit the number of people a church can reach. It will limit the number of needs it can meet. And it will limit the overall effectiveness and quality of the ministry that it can offer. You know, there are times when people come to me, and I'm just going to be transparent for you, with you. Listen, we're not a perfect church, and we've got issues we need to fix. That's one of the reasons we're hiring more staff. We're trying to get better at what we do. We're trying to, we're trying to be more effective at ministering to people. But sometimes people will come to me, and they'll just complain about, well, I wish the church would do this, and they're not doing this. And the first thing that I think in my mind, I'm going to expose myself. Are you ready? Are you tithing? Because if you're not, you're part of the problem. Because we could be doing more if we had more in the storehouse to be able to pull out and apply to that area. Now, let me do a visual illustration to help you see how this works. Get your candy out. Here we go. I gave you two packs of Smarties. 
Now, I need you to help me out here, and I need to help you. I need you to get in illustration mode um, in, in pretend land. So put on, your, put on your imaginary caps for a second. Come on, show me. Show me. Put it on. Okay? All right. I want you to pretend with me that you worked really hard all week to earn these two packs of Smarties. This is your paycheck. Okay? Now, the reason I gave you two is because there's 15 Smarties in each pack. So if you have two packs, how many is that? What's a tithe of 30 Smarties? Three. Three. All right, ushers come. I want you to tithe on your Smarties. Go ahead and open. Hey, the rest is up to you. You can do whatever. You can eat the, the, whatever you want to eat. Just, just help me out with this illustration and do a tithe with me. Some of you are deciding what colors you're going to donate, aren't you? I know some of you. I get you. Some of you are like, I'm not tithing that color. That's my favorite. So I'm going to put my tithe in here. And guys, you could go around there. Go ahead and go ahead and collect and then bring it to me. The best three. The best three. We're going to send you all sugared up. We're all going to go home sugared up today. You'll never forget this sermon in your life, right? I remember the day that crazy preacher made us tithe smarties in church. Yeah, some of you are already trying to give your years away. That's good. You're a giver. <laughs> Brian Abbott has his in an offering envelope. That ain't going to help my illustration. Keep it out of the offering envelope. That's just, it's just more work you caused me up here. Use it for your real offering, though. I'll tell you that, so... All right, guys, when you, when you get through, everybody, bring those up to me. All right, here's the deal. If you're going to be effective at doing ministry, you got to have something in the storehouse, right? Because if there's nothing in the storehouse, I don't have any tools, right? I don't have any resources to make a difference with. So... Here's what happens, and I want you to pretend with me. Thanks, guys. Whoa, you guys, you guys are blessing my heart. Let me, let me show you what happened. Remember I said, you get to choose. Check that out, right? Some people are like, I'm going to be really, really generous. So, so let me tell you what happens, and let me, let me just kind of, once again, pretend caps. I want you to pretend with me for just a second that this is going to change somebody's spiritual destiny. That if I give this resource, if I apply it into somebody's life, it's going to affect their eternity. So for every one of these, I can affect somebody's eternity. So when people give, so imagine with me for a second that half of you, man, you guys, this is why Hope Fellowship is so blessed. Look at this. Half of you decide to tithe. Now, Here's what happens every month. We don't just go, oh, thank you. We go, all right, we want to minister to you, and we want to minister to you, and we want to minister to you. That's what we do. Can you imagine when, when more people tithe? When more people tithe, you know what happens? Oh my goodness, look what God is doing. 
here at Hope Fellowship. You know what we're going to need? We're going to need a bigger storehouse. Not so our bathrooms will work better. (laughs) Perk! Because we want to reach more people. You see, people will say, Pastor, you pastors, all you preach about is money because you want our money. Ready? Pastor's confessional. I want your money. (laughs) But not for the reasons you think I do. I want your money because I'm going to do more for the kingdom of God. I want you to give you your tithes and offerings so that we make a bigger impact in the kingdom in this area. That's how the kingdom works. Now, here's the deal. We talked about the priority. Churches where people don't make this a priority are limited. Churches where people do are going to be really effective for the kingdom of God. Now, let's talk about the promise of the storehouse. We've talked about the priority. We've talked about the place. We, 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 we've talked about the purpose. Let's talk about the, the promise of the storehouse. Remember I told you this is God's profit-sharing program, okay? God says, this is how things work in the kingdom. This is how you lay up treasures in heaven. This is how you participate with me in the business that I'm in. And look what God says happens when you do that. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. How many know sometimes God blesses you Sometimes when God blesses you because you give, it's bigger than just monetarily. Sometimes there's other ways that God will involve himself in what is going on in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Those of you that tithe on a consistent basis, you know there's, it just opens up the door for God to work in your life even bigger than he's just going to give you a, a return in the financial area. There, there are just blessings and things that God does. And then it says, then all the nations will call you, what is it? Blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I was thinking about this this week, and, and uh, just this week, I have, a, I have a, uh, uh, two minivans. You say, why do you have two minivans? Because they're paid for. That's why I have two minivans. And uh, my one minivan is like 14 years old, and I'm, like, I'm a planner, and so I'm like, I don't know, I want to wait another year and a half before I pull the trigger on the next car. And, and so I'm really budgeted out, and I'm thinking about that. And, uh, and so... Uh, just this week, uh, I needed to get tires. Or it was actually last week on my, on my car. And uh, I knew that the brakes were not in good shape. You say, how, do you, how did you know that? All the brake lights are on in my car. <laughs> you say, for how long? A year and a half. I'm not a car guy. Please forgive me. So some in my spirit literally got, I felt like the Lord actually spoke to me and said, you need to get your car in. And when I took it in, they're like, not only do you need tires, but you're going to kill yourself. Well, that bill ended up being like $1,900. And I'm like, oh, it's not what I was planning. It's not a budget. Would you believe that $1,900 showed up unexpectedly in ways we didn't, didn't anticipate that week? And you know what I tripped that to? God said if I put him first. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it somehow, and I've come to expect it because this is how things work in the kingdom. Let me tell you what God is saying here in the scripture verse. He's saying this, if you build my house, I'll bless yours. 
That's what he's saying. This is what it's all about. It's God's profit sharing program. That's why I say it's a win for everybody. It's a win for you. It's a win for building your faith. It's a win for the kingdom of God. It's a win for the church that you go to because you're going to get a better quality of ministry because of it. It's a win all the way around. And the best thing is this. We get to participate in the greatest mission in the history of the world. And that's reaching lost people together for the kingdom. And so don't think of giving your tithes and offerings as an obligation. Listen, when you begin to grow up in your faith, you know what you begin to realize? This is not an obligation. This is a privilege that I get to be a part of this for the kingdom of, of God. And if you think about it, what does it do? What does giving do? It always makes you more like Jesus, right? What did Jesus do? He gave his life so that other people could be what? Saved. When we give financially, we partner with him in that mission. He gave for us, so we give for him so that other people could be saved. It's the mission of the church. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the greatest gift of your son, Jesus that he came and gave us life and laid down his life that we might find salvation. And Lord, we're so thankful that we were able to find salvation in him, Lord. And we're, we're so thankful to be a part of your church and be a part of your hands and your feet in this world and in this community, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we give, Lord, that we would never look at it the same. We would understand the connection between our giving and our church and the kingdom of God and the ministry, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just multiply, Lord, the generosity of this church, Lord, double and triple, not so that we could say, look at us, so that we can turn it around and use it to reach more people for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Help us to trust you in this area. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen, amen. All right, listen, let me tell you where we're going. Prayer partners, would you come? Go ahead and come up at this time. Next week, we're going to hear from the Ecuador missions team. It's going to be a, be a fun day. They had an amazing trip. They're going to tell you what they did on their trip. we got two more weeks to go. We're done with the whole giving portion. We're going to talk about debt and the importance and how to get out of debt. And then we're going to talk about the whole budgeting process and how that plays a role. And then we'll get to Easter. Hey, after Easter, I think we're going to start a series on the book of James. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Um, here's what we're going to do on the way out. Since you were so generous and tithed your smarties, in true God fashion, we're going to bless you because of it. You get a Hershey chocolate bar on the way out the door. Why? Because this is the way God works in his kingdom. Amen? If you need prayer, go ahead and come forward. We'd love to pray for you. The rest of you, grab your Hershey bar on the way out. We'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Some